I would invite you to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. We've moved our way slowly through this uh, book, this letter to the early church, and we are on the last chapter, and we're seems like we're going even slower now, but um, but there's so much here that needs to be said, and the the focus is at this juncture is the church, and the church revolves around a group of men, elders, and we need to to grasp this concept. It's such a wonderful idea and concept in Scripture. First Peter chapter five. Verse 1, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted, allotted to your charge but proved to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word, how precious it is, and how eager we are to approach this word, eager to receive this word. Lord, it is life-sustaining to us. And we thank you for this precious gift. I, I pray that you would bless our time in your word, give clarity, give understanding, illumination. And then, Lord, may we apply these things to our life and our heart as we go throughout this week. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've all heard the little phrase that Christianity is not... A religion, but it is a relationship. And I would agree that that's something I first heard when I came to Appalachian Bible College. And it was a great statement. It really changed the way we view things. But let me make this a little bit more accurate that it is, it is not a religion, it is a relationship. But it's, to be more accurate, it's a restored relationship. It's a relationship of restoration between man and his God. God and the creation. God the creator and the creation. That's man. Adam enjoyed an intimate relationship with God. It was not co-equal, but they had a friendship. They had a, a close relationship. It was authority submission kind of relationship. God created man. Adam worked for God. But they had a loving relationship, an intimate relationship, a, a, a relationship of openness and, and provision and guidance and protection and accountability. It was a wonderful relationship when God would come down and walk with man in the cool of the evening and they would have a conversation. Can you imagine having a conversation with a giver of life? What a wonderful thing that would be. Adam would be excited to, to hear God's steps coming and, and he would say, man, I want to tell him this. Or, or God, look at this. Look what I was able to do today. Or what do you think I should do about this? Or just can imagine that conversation. It would be wonderful to have that kind of relationship. Man was built for that relationship. It's a spiritual relationship between, between man 
and his creator. And it's described in Scripture as a father-son kind of relationship or parent-child kind of relationship, husband and wife kind of relationship. Describes the, the intimacy there. But the most descriptive term that describes this relationship is, is shepherding. The shepherd image we see throughout Scripture, and it helps communicate the kind of relationship that we are to have with God, our Creator. In our, within our hearts of each individual person on this earth is designed to have a relationship with His Creator. Now, the problem is, and we know this, that there's sin, there's rebellion. And Isaiah, the uh, Old Testament prophet, he described this uh, this problem, he can describe the, the condition of man with this same uh, imagery of a shepherd. He says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. Like sheep do, we kind of wander. We kind of wander off for whatever reason. And they get stuck in the, in the most unusual places. And I've been told that they, they, they'll crawl under fences or try to climb over fences or, or whatever to try to get out. For whatever reason, the grass is greener on the other side. And we are very much like that. Man is, is like that. And we need to be shepherded for whatever reason. We want to, we think we can do a better job. We, uh, we think, or maybe we're distracted or bored or, or, or for whatever reason we want to leave. But Scripture tells us that Satan's lies and deceit has pulled us away, obviously. But the thing is, is we left him. We left our creator, the life giver, our, our own sustainer of life. We, we just left him and we have no right to just walk away. We have no right to go off on our own. And how offensive that must be to God, our Creator. How offended He must be. The God who loves us, the God who created us, we walked away. Once where there was an intimate relationship, now there's a a vacuum, there's a hole, there's an emptiness there. Instead of a relationship with God, we have it, it has created an idolatrous heart. And we worship anything, anything that will fill that heart, anything that will fill that void. That's us, folks. We, our hearts, belong to God. That's the rightful place we belong. And he has this claim on our life by virtue of ownership that he created us. And we find ourselves in a state of rebellion against him. We have now a heart that's inclined and bent away from God, our shepherd, and turned toward Rebellion. As sheep, we are needy. Sheep, sheep are like that. They need attention. They need care. They need protection. And we're very much like that. We need oversight. And shepherding is primarily done in the heart, in our heart. That relationship, that tender place, that that most intimate place where we have that relationship with God or where that relationship with God needs to be restored. It needs to be restored. And um, that's our message to the world, isn't it? That that we have a, a world, we have people that are just abandoning God. And just going away from Him, continuing to, to fight against Him and rebel against Him. And we have this message that they better repent. 
God's patience is not going to always be with man. He is a God of wrath. And we need to inform the world of their dangerous position of being away from God. And we have the good news of restoration. That that relationship with God our Creator can be restored. When we turn from our sinfulness and turn in faith to Jesus Christ. Now that same imagery of, of shepherding is used in this passage. And it's, and it's very important that we understand that. In this passage that we've just read for you, Peter's addressing the leadership of the church. The church is in Asia Minor. It's a letter. It was written about 64 AD. And this is right before uh, Nero's persecution. Nero started to burn Rome. It was just before, maybe even a little after he began to do that. And then Peter is using this analogy, this a little shepherding imagery to communicate to the elders there in this time of, of persecution. And Peter is <clears throat> coming alongside these elders. And we could see the, in review, we could see the, um, the uh, outline that we've been using on this uh, on this passage, first, Peter's coming alongside and, and he is supporting these men. Verse one, they're just men. They need to be supported. They need to be encouraged. And verse two, he, he's reminded them to to don't walk away, continue to shepherd the flock, even through persecution. And then he says, here's some pitfalls as leaders that you need to avoid. And we saw that last week. And then verse four, and that's our focus for today. Verse four we see that he is saying that we need to uh, be reminded, these elders need to be reminded that they will be rewarded. They will be rewarded. That's a wonderful concept. Now, we have to understand, to understand this passage, we have to understand a, a few things. There's a connection between verses 3 and verse 4 that we need to understand. It's a little complex and it's a little bit more in there than what we would first uh, just see, there's several connections here. Let me read the passage again. Verse 3, nor, as lording, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to you charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now there's a lot in between verse 3 and verse 4 that we need to, to grasp. We see it on the screen here. There's four things I want you to notice. Number one, it's a comfort to these elders, right? That there's a, going to be a reward. Uh, in time, leading the church in times of persecution, these men would be the first ones to put their necks on the line to protect the sheep. And, and Peter is comforting them uh, with the knowledge that, that Christ the chief shepherd is going to come and he's going to reward them. Remember, he started with encouragement to the elders, <clears throat> verse 1, and now he's, he's ending uh, this section with encouragement to the elders. So we see that element. But there's another element here. And, and that's one of accountability. It's a, it's a reminder that in, in the subtle kind of way that when the chief shepherd comes, there's going to be a, an accountability. Now often... A shepherd would leave his sheep and he would put somebody else in charge of the sheep while he's gone and he would hire them. And for a time, they would be the shepherds. They would be the under shepherds, if you will. They would be hired. And when the, when the chief shepherd, the main shepherd would come back, he would examine each of the sheep 
each one in his flock, and um, he would examine them, and if everything is, is good, then he would pay that under-shepherd, and, and things would be good. When the chief shepherd returns, there's a day of accountability. How are the sheep? And we see this warning in Acts chapter 20, 1 Timothy chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 13. There's a subtle little warning here to these elders that they need to, they need to take heed. But number three, there's another element here. This is a reminder to the congregation. A reminder to the congregation. Peter knows that the, the people need to be reminded that this little group, this small group of men is not going to be able to take the place of the, the chief shepherd. Not going to happen. Uh, he is the one that's overseeing the whole of the shepherding process. And he is still the one in charge. And even though we, uh, he is physically absent we, uh, and we don't see him, he is still the shepherd of the sheep. And these elders, uh, they need to know. They need to know that they are just working alongside in the hearts of the sheep. And he, they're just walk, working alongside of the chief shepherd. And that's got to be a relief, not only to the elders, but also the congregation. Right? It's got to be some comfort to them to know that the chief shepherd is there. And then number four, <clears throat> it's also a reminder that the sheep belong to the chief shepherd. Not to the not to the elders, not to the under shepherds, but to the chief shepherd. And Peter's reminded the church that the church belongs to the chief, belong to the chief shepherd. And th- that encourages us by letting us know that no one's going to slip through the cracks, that he is the chief shepherd, that we belong to him. And that's got to be, again, an encouragement to all of us. That they are not alone, these under shepherds. Now, in this passage, then we we're seeing this shepherding image imagery here, and that the elders of the church are the shepherds of the local flock, but they are not the main shepherd. That's a wonderful thought. These elders of the church, and this is the principle here, the elders of the church are the under-shepherds who are working alongside the true shepherd and will be rewarded for their service. That's the picture. That's what we see here. Now, we understand this. We understand the the passage a little bit. Let's ask some questions. There's three questions I want us to to answer from this text that uh, we want to ask of this text and uh, so that we can understand, we can have more clarity. Number one, who is this chief shepherd? You say, oh, I know that. I know that. Well, let's look at this. In verse 1, he says, the chief shepherd, and when the chief shepherd appears. Now, we know that we're, the church is waiting for Christ to appear. But you know what? Throughout Scripture, God has always been the chief shepherd. God has always been the shepherd of His people. There's a few passages that I want you to see. In Psalm chapter 77, verse 20, you see, again, this this imagery, this picture. uh, Psalm 77, verse 20 says this, You, and this is talking about Yahweh, you lead your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 
Now that's a, a wonderful imagery. He is the, the shepherd. Yahweh, God is the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. And he's leading the flock. Uh, the Old Testament, these men and women of Israel, he was leading them with Mer- uh, Mo- um, Moses and Aaron by the hand. It's a wonderful picture there. Turn over to chapter 80, verse 1. <clears throat> oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel. That's Again, God Himself, Yahweh. You have led Joseph like a flock. You have, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Man, that's, that's the Lord in all of His glory. We see another passage, though, in Ezekiel. If you want to turn to Ezekiel, again, a wonderful passage. Ezekiel chapter 34, just a reminder, verse 23, then I will set over you one shepherd, one shepherd, my servant David. David was passed away by this time. He's talking about descendant of David, this one who is to come, this king of Israel who's who, like David, started off as a, a shepherd, shepherd boy and became the king, my servant David. And, and you will and he will feed them. And He will feed them Himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. And I, the Lord, have spoken. The Lord's going to bring it to pass. And when we get to the New Testament, we begin to realize this shepherd that's going to be appointed to His flock. In John chapter 10, we see, and there's no question, it points to Christ Christ comes on the scene and he says this in John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Let let no one be confused. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Down in verse 14, he says it again. I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Man, that's wonderful. Christ is that that chief shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13 is another passage that is just wonderful. I'll just read that. Now the now the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, that's spiritually dead, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we have is, is God is, is the shepherd. And then we see Christ is the shepherd. But let me give you one more. In John chapter 14, we see uh, the same kind of role is being played by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16. And this is Christ's words. He says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. Uh, the same kind. One just like me. Another helper that... That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you. He's going to take up residence in you, with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you after a little while. The world will not will see me no longer. But you will see me because I live in you will live also. 
And in that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. That Holy Spirit, that comforter, that spirit of truth takes up residence and is shepherding us. Shepherding us. So we see all three elements, all three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that is shepherding His flock. All of them are being are involved in this. The triune God. And we see a, a unity there. They're all working as a shepherd. That's the shepherd. Now what we see, we see Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the husband of the bride. He is the shepherd of the sheep. We see him. We know him. He's the, the figurehead. But all three are, all three are there. And I remind ourselves, he's the one that died for the sheep. The, the sheep are his. He's the one that, that left heaven, submitted himself to the Father's plan of redemption of man. He's the one that sacrificed his uh, life. He's the one that died. It was his blood that was shed. It was his body that was broken. He was the one that purchased the sheep with his life. And he's the one that loves us most. (laughs) He's the one who loves us most. He, He sacrificed most for us. More than anybody else. He has more vested into the sheep than anyone else. And he's the one that said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is the chief shepherd. Wow. The chief shepherd. And notice, too, in this passage that this is not future, that he will become the shepherd. No, he is the shepherd now. It's not something in the past, but it is present. There is no more qualified shepherd than Christ. He loves the sheep. He's given himself for the sheep. And he, he is the best shepherd that we could possibly have. And he is at work in the lives of his people, and there's no limitations, no limitations to his kind of his shepherding. He's not limited by the circumstances of our life. He controls that. He's not limited by the the molding of the heart. He can cultivate a heart. He can he can work in a heart of his sheep. He's not controlled by Satan's attacks or concerned with Satan's attacks. In fact, he controls that as well. He's not limited. We as People, humans, we are limited. We understand limitations. Doctors are limited. They can't do everything. They're limited to their own knowledge and wisdom and and their focus, their education, right? The time that they have, even communication. They're limited with their tools and the weaknesses they have. My mechanic is limited. Now, I wish he wasn't, but he's limited. I wish he would come in and say, okay, here's what's wrong with your car. I'm going to fix everything, right? There's always something. We as people are limited. Christ is not limited in any way. Now let's just apply this. Let's think about this. Because this, this, is, this is great courage for us. This is great courage. Christ is there. Husbands, you're shepherding your wife. And you look up and you see the chief shepherd. Christ is, is shepherding her. Men, you're shepherding your family. You look up and you see that Christ is shepherding Elders, the church, you're shepherding this church and you look up and you see Christ, the perfect shepherd. And he's shepherding his church and he has no limitations. So what do we do? We pray like crazy, don't we? 
the, the chief shepherd, Lord, work in those hearts. Work in the hearts of our children. Work in the hearts of our, our wives. Work in the hearts of our congregation. We pray because he's not limited at all. And he is the chief shepherd and he loves us most, more than anyone. So the chief shepherd is there. The second question is, who are the sheep? We have to ask that question. Who are the sheep of this chief shepherd? Who is the, who is the one who, who gets to be in the fold? Uh, who, who are the ones that, that he's taking care of? Who is who are the ones that, like the psalmist David, can say, the Lord is my shepherd? Well, for this, I want you to turn over to John chapter 10. This is a wonderful passage. Wonderful concept because the, the shepherding motif is just seen throughout this passage so well. John chapter 10, verse 24. Jesus says this, and he's talking to... These scoundrels are trying to bait him into a trap. And verse 24, the Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, that's the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. I, I, I've, I've said this time and time again, but, but you don't believe. Now, why don't they believe the, the works that... I have the works that I do uh, in my father's name. These testify me. You can verify those things. But then verse 26, this is so key. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Those who are in the fold, those who get to be the shepherd, the sheep of this chief shepherd are those who believe. Those who have put their faith and trust, they actually trust the, the shepherd that's so important. That's the first step. You're not going to get in. And if you're roaming and believing in everything else, no, you have to put your faith and trust in the chief shepherd. That's so basic. And then back in verse 14, he says this, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Now, that believing and trusting in the chief shepherd gives us a relationship with him. A knowing kind of relationship. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. There's that relationship now that has been restored because of belief. There's a, a trusting relationship. Number three, there's another one here. Verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. Uh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 27. Go back to verse 27. My sheep, okay. It says, you, you don't... Believes you're not my sheep, my sheep, they hear my voice. That's another one. Those who are within the fold of Christ hear his voice. And that's not some kind of mystical thing. It's just the truth of God's word. When, when we hear the truth of God's word, our ears perk up and say, yes, that's it. That's our Messiah. That's our shepherd. And we follow. We, we hear it. We listen to that word. And we, we know that's our shepherd. And then again, the end of verse 27, he says, They know uh, my uh, sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now that's so important. They follow. They don't just hear and say, well, boy, that was a good sermon and never do anything about it. 
No, they actually put it into practice. They follow and trust that shepherd, that chief shepherd. But let me give you one more. And this is the passage that was read for us earlier. You know the passage, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Those who are in the fold of Christ are content with Christ. I shall not want. He leads me around and, and he, he provides for me. And you know what? I'm content with that. Those who are his sheep are content to, to be his sheep. They, they know him. They know him intimately as a shepherd. There's a, a shepherding relationship there and, and they're content with, with, uh, following him. And we see in the New Testament, we see that Christ gives a growing peace, a contentment in our own hearts, a satisfaction that He is my shepherd. I'm comfortable with that. I love that. I want that. And we even pursue it. In the book that I'm reading right now, the shepherding, uh, Shepherd's Look at the Psalm 23, uh, Philip Keller, wonderful, wonderful little book. He uh, was a sheep farmer. And he uh, he tells of stories of when he was when he had these sheep uh, that the neighbors' sheep. Now he he took good care of his sheep, and the the neighboring farm, the other sheep uh, that would look on to his in his sheepfold into his pastures, and he said they would longingly look at his at his sheep. Because those other sheep, they would have diseases and pestilence and flies that would pester them all the time. They would not be well-groomed. They would be uh, not well taken care of. There would be little attention paid to them. He was a good shepherd. And those sheep, man, they wanted to be in that fold. They wanted to be in that fold. They weren't trying to get out of their pen, these these uh, sheep. They were, they were wanting, they, they loved the shepherd. There's a loving relationship there. They hear his voice and they come running. Christ reminded us that, that we cannot serve two masters, right? We can't have two chief shepherds. It can't be done. And here's what I think that we have today. Um, I think we see people are playing religion. Now remember that term. They're playing religion. That they don't have a relationship with the shepherd. They have this pseudo-Christian culture that we've, that we've kind of cultivated here in America. It's, it's this ever-growing counterfeit Christianity. And it is just a religion. It's not really focused on a, a relationship with the true shepherd. And we see false teachers that are inconsistent with the, the voice of the sh- chief shepherd. We see a good moralism. They have good things to say. They use Christian terminology and Christian language. They even use the Bible. But, but it's not real Christianity. It's not, it's not a relationship with the shepherd. They're not really concerned about how they use the Bible. Oh, they quote the Bible. But they read their own ideas into the Bible. They, they have their own attitudes and that they read into Scripture. They read into the Scripture their own philosophy. And we see them in every denomination, Presbyterian, Charismatic, Southern Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, 
Every, every group, it, 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 there's just this huge flock flocking after Joyce Myers and T.D. Jake, and John Maxwell, Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen, Beth Moore. And you see them running after. And all of these prosperity gospel speakers, man, everybody just flocks to them. That's not the voice of the true shepherd. So many of these false teachers are still listening to the prince of the power of the air. They're they're not trusting the shepherd. They're trusting their own worldly philosophies. And they're following the course of this world. They don't really know the chief shepherd. And that's a concern. So what we have here in America is this pseudo-Christianity. It's not really following the shepherd. It's not really there. And my and the danger is exactly what we see in, in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, he warns us. Uh, he says, many in that day will say to me, um, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? They were religious people. And, and then he will declare to them, I never knew you. There was no intimate relationship there. You did. You were part of the religion. But you weren't following the right shepherd. Following all of these other shepherds. So those who are the sheep are the ones who actually follow Christ. Let me go to the next question. The third question is, what is the reward? What is the reward for the under shepherds here? This is so neat. Verse 4, back in 1 Peter Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. The unfading crown of glory. That would be a wreath that would be put on the head. It would be made out of ivy, sometimes oak leaves and uh, ivy leaves. Sometimes they would weave flowers into it, roses and violets. Um. And it would be placed on the head and it would be not a king's crown, but it would be an athletic's crown. When they win an event, uh, they would be given this and they would bask in the glory of their fans. And, and that really is kind of the imagery here. They're basking in the glory. Now, the thing is, in Scripture, what we find that it's Christ's glory. We're going to be like him for we will see him as he is. And this is... This is a crowning glory. This is Christ's glory. This is a heavenly glory that we share with Christ. And we see this. It's the same thing as the, the crown of righteousness and the crown of life. This is all Christ doing. And we just share. We just bask in the glory of Christ. We share in that. And that's the idea here. Now here's the, the key element though. It's unfading. An unfading crown of glory. It doesn't get old. It doesn't diminish. There's flowers at our house, and you can tell they, they get old, they diminish, they, they wither up, and the petals start to fall off. But that's not going to happen. A thousand years into glory, a million years into glory, that glory has not faded one bit. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? This is, this is just a demonstration of God's grace in our life. Demonstration of God's grace. And we will be reminded... Throughout all of glory, throughout all of, of, of time, of the glory of 
Christ's work in our life. And we will share in that glory. We will bask in that glory. And the elders, elders here, um, they don't put their lives on the line without Christ noticing. That's the idea. And, and God will reward those who put themselves in danger to protect the flock and they sacrifice for the flock. And this crown of glory will, will continue and remain for forever. And God's servants, God's servants will not be disappointed. Will not be disappointed. They're not going to go away feeling cheated. I did all of this work. I put my life on the line and, and I, it was nothing. It was not worth it. No one will say that. They will never forget. They will always remember the God's faithfulness in their life in this crown of glory that's shown with Christ. Now, what is, what is rewards? What do rewards do for us? There's a, there's a carrot and a stick, right? You have the donkey's. Have that carrot on the stick. Put the carrot out there. And you can you can use the stick to to hit the donkey to to make him go, or you could put that carrot out there, and that's what a reward does. And it's just putting that carrot out there, and that that donkey is going after that carrot, and he's walking forward trying to get that carrot. There, there's a an energizing factor here, and that's what Peter wants. Enthusiasm to, to not give up, to, to push on even through the hard times. There's a reward coming. The chief shepherd's coming and he's got rewards with him and we're not going to be disappointed. It will never fade away. Christ is that chief shepherd. And his flock, they actually follow him and he, these under shepherds then, they will be rewarded. Those who are just holding the hands as Christ is the chief shepherd and these elders of the church are under shepherds. And they're just working alongside of the chief shepherd, the true shepherd, and they'll be rewarded. They'll be rewarded. In fact, we can branch that out to all of us, can't we? That God rewards his people. God is faithful. None of us will walk away and say, man, that whole Christian life, I wish I hadn't have given that up. I wish I hadn't have uh, done any of, uh, or, or I wish I hadn't have um, uh, lived that life. We will never say that. Christ will reward. Christ will reward. I'm reminded of the song here, though, within our own hearts and minds. I'm reminded of the song that, that uh, th- this song, that it is well with my soul. Remember that song? There's a little phrase in there. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, isn't it? He is shepherding us, folks. He is shepherding us. In His presence, we we look up and we see His presence. And there's something satisfying. There's something satisfying about the presence of Christ, just knowing that He's there. There's something satisfying of knowing that there's this peace within us, this peace that passes all understanding There's a hope within us because He's still there. He's still there. And it's comforting to us. It's comforting to us as as just sheep. Sheep trying to, really just trying to shepherd one another, trying to come along, bring ourselves along. Here's a a congregation, but we look up and we see the chief shepherd and He's going to come someday and He's going to have rewards with Him. But it's because of that relationship. 
Not a religion. It's a relationship with the shepherd. That is so important. Let me read just in conclusion this last little verse here. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. It says this. This is a reminder of a verse that we read earlier. Now the God of peace. He's a God of peace. And that, that produces peace in our own life. He, he's a, a shepherd that produces peace. Who brought us, or brought up from the dead. That, that's us. The great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the eternal covenant. Even Jesus Christ. Equip you. In every good thing to do His will. That's shepherding, folks. Working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory forever and ever. Christ receives the glory. He's the chief shepherd. And folks, what a joy that brings to our heart. What a rejoicing that is ours. Folks, that's why we respond the way we do when we hear truth. Like Peter saying, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's our shepherd speaking. We're drawn to that shepherd. Oh, Lord, may that be our hearts today. Let's pray. Father, help us to be sheep that are easily shepherded. Not looking at the greener grass on some other field that, that will never satisfy. Lord, help us to, to be satisfied with the true shepherd. Lord, help our ears to be attentive to his voice. Lord, help us to follow him in every detail. Lord, thank you for, thank you for the shepherds that you put in our life to bring us along. And Lord, may we shepherd those who are under our charge, who are under our care. Oh Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that process of shepherding. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.